Welcome to Menlo Church Online. We're excited to have you tuning in and joining us today. We are a church where we believe that everybody's welcome, nobody is perfect, and anything really is possible. Enjoy today's message. Welcome to all of our campuses. Those of you joining us online, we're so glad you're here with us this weekend at Menlo Church. Whether this is your first time here or maybe your first time back in a while, you couldn't have picked a better weekend because like Brett said, in just a few moments, we're gonna be celebrating baptisms together and it's always a highlight for our church. I know it is for me and you are about to see that for yourselves. Um, But it's also a good weekend to be here because we, as a church, we've been on a journey together, and uh, last weekend, we kind of finished a nine-week journey where we were studying various habits and practices called The Way to help us follow Jesus for a lifetime. And if you missed that series, or maybe you missed a week here or there, I want to encourage you to go back online. Watch those messages, and if you go to our website, we've also um, attached some devotional material and additional video commentary that'll help you go a little deeper into each one of those weeks. And so that'll be on the website forever, and we wanna encourage you to go and use that as a regular tool in your relationship with Jesus. And I wanna be really clear, we're not trying to create a new program or sort of a, a new sort of ritual. Um, we're simply trying to uh, discover how can we follow Jesus together? Uh, Because oftentimes religion, the way that religion works is there's a list of things to do, and then religion will also tell you there's a a list of things not to do, and if you do these and you don't do these, then you'll be a good person, and if you're a good person, you might go to heaven or have life after death, and that's generally how religion is constructed. But discipleship and a relationship with Jesus is vastly different than that. Jesus says, Come follow me, learn from me, take my yoke upon you, my way of life, and you will find rest. And when we begin to follow Jesus and learn from him and take on his way of life, it has the power to transform who we are. We're not the ones who change ourselves, but Jesus is the one who changes who we are. And that's what we're gonna see when we witness the baptisms in our service today. People who have said yes to that invitation and are following him and are experiencing transformation in their own lives. And that's why our church is here. That's why we do everything we do because our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. There are a lot of things that we do. There are a lot of things that are important about our church, but the most important thing we do The thing that matters more than anything else is to help people find and follow Jesus. And you see, discipleship to Jesus is not just the minimum requirement to go to heaven after we die. Discipleship to Jesus is where we experience the power that can actually transform our lives from the inside out. And that's what we're gonna be looking at today, transformation. A few years ago, Doritos made a Super Bowl commercial and uh, Super Bowl commercials are usually the best ones, right? Uh, Because everybody's watching TV on Super Bowl Sunday, but Doritos came up with a really clever idea. What they did was it featured an Amish family 
who was discovering an elevator for the very first time in their lives. They've never seen an elevator before. So this Amish family comes into this mall and they're just looking at amazement with all this technology and wonder. And the first thing they see in the lobby is a vending machine filled with Doritos. So they come to the vending machine and they push the button and a bag of Doritos falls out and they open the bag and they eat it and they say, what is this, right? How many of you like Doritos, right? Come on, those of you that are not raising your hands, you're just not admitting you love Doritos, right? <laughs> and so in this commercial, this older woman comes and pushes the button, grabs a bag of Doritos and then she walks over to the wall and then there's this mysterious set of sliding doors that open up and she walks inside and turns around and then those sliding doors close. And this Amish family, they're just kind of looking like, where did she go? What happened? Is she coming back? And then a few moments later, those, those doors, they, they slide back open. But this time, someone else steps out of the elevator. A beautiful young woman wearing a fancy dress comes out eating a bag of Doritos. She has been completely transformed. And so the Amish man looks over to his son and says, quick, go find your mom. The commercial ends with, her shove, with him shoving his wife into the elevator saying, try the Cool Ranch. <laughs> it's hilarious. I love that commercial. My wife saw that and said, Eugene, you don't need to go to the gym. Just find that elevator. It'll take care of you, right? <laughs> we love stories of transformation. I, I know that I do because it's about a journey that someone takes, the trial and the travail and the triumph of becoming someone new, of discovering a new part of who you are, maybe even a better version of you. I love the stories of physical transformation that people experience, and especially the pictures of before and after. I have my own transformation story that I wanna share with you today. Uh, some of you know that I am a black belt in Taekwondo. Black belt is a, it's a martial art, and growing up on the mean streets of North Carolina, my dad thought I needed to learn how to defend myself, so he started a school, and he made me join as one of the first students. And uh, when you start uh, in martial arts, they don't give you a black belt, okay? Maybe some of you know this already, but they give you a white belt. That's where you start. You start as a white belt, and then over years and years and years of practice and study and training, um, you eventually graduate, and then you go from a white belt to a yellow belt, right? And there are all these various steps that you take, and then you become a green belt, and then a blue belt, a red belt, and all along the way, you're, 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 you're developing, you're, you're mastering the art of Taekwondo. And over years and years and years, after study and discipline and training, I finally earned my black belt. And I wanna show you a before and after picture. This is when I first started Taekwondo. That's me in the middle wearing the white belt. I was about seven years old when I started. And then years later, I got my black belt, and here's a picture of me wearing my black belt. <laughs> if I can, so can you. We can all experience transformation. So this weekend, I wanna share with you one of my favorite stories of transformation in the Gospels. A story about a person's life who was radically changed forever, and it happened in 10 short verses and I love this story so much because really what it is, it's the gospel in a nutshell. It's about how someone's life can be transformed by Jesus. It comes to us in the gospel of Luke, chapter 19. I wanna read it for us. It begins here in verse one. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up 
and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and, and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give, I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And I wanna pause right there for a second in the story. It sounds pretty dramatic, like one verse, Jesus is coming to his house and then literally the next verse, he's giving away half of his possessions. But that's because Luke is just giving us a snapshot. These are just 10 verses. There's a conversation that happened between those verses that we don't know about. Luke didn't record that for us, but man, I wish I could have had a seat at that table. I wish I could have sat there and had that meal and listened to the things that Jesus had to say that day. I wish I could have been sitting next to Zacchaeus taking notes from this rabbi, this Jewish rabbi. Because whatever he said, it transformed this person. It transformed Zacchaeus dramatically. Let's keep reading. The story goes like this. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. If you grew up around the church, you're familiar with this story. We love to tell this story, especially to kids. And there's a song that goes with this story. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And it's a story about a short guy who climbs up a tree so he can get a better look at Jesus. And if you're a kid, that'll teach. And so we love to teach that story and sing that song. But the problem here was not that he was a wee little man or that he was short. The problem in the story, at least according to Luke, is that he couldn't see. That was the issue. He couldn't see this person, Jesus. In Luke, in, chapter th in verse three, he goes out of his way to explain this to us. He, he says he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Here's the question. What was Zacchaeus hoping to see? What had he heard about this person that he had to see it for himself, to run ahead and climb a tree so that he could get a glimpse? A few years ago, there was a reality show on TV on the National Geographic Channel. You might remember it. It was called The Dog Whisperer. It was about a dog behavior specialist named Caesar, Caesar Milan, and he had this uncanny ability to walk into any room and meet any dog, no matter how savage it was, and immediately he knew how to calm the dog, how to tame the dog. And this show gave us a life into the look of dogs through the life of Caesar, through his eyes. He was the star of the show. But I think the more important question is, not what did Caesar see when he walked into a room, but what did the dog see? Because every week it was a different dog, it was a different family. What did the dog see when Caesar came into the room? Because whatever the dog saw, Caesar was not the dog's master, Caesar was not the dog's owner, 
Caesar was not even a part of the dog's family. Caesar was a total stranger. But every time Caesar walked into the room, the dogs would feel safe, the dogs would relax, and they would listen. Every time, every week. Caesar would walk into the room, he'd be a wild dog, they would see Caesar, they would feel safe, they would relax, and they would begin to listen. I wonder if that's what Zacchaeus saw that day. But I'll tell you what Zacchaeus saw in everyone else. He might have seen that in Jesus, but you know what he saw in everyone else? He saw judgment. He saw resentment, contempt, anger, hatred. You see, Luke even tells us that all the people saw Jesus going to his house and they said that he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. They called Zacchaeus a sinner. And if you read the Gospels, sinners and tax collectors go hand in hand. They're like two peas in a pod, right? You're a sinner and a tax collector. People despised tax collectors. Back then, people hated tax collectors. And 2,000 years later, we still hate tax collectors, <laughs> right? Tax collectors were despised. And Zacchaeus was not just any tax collector. Luke tells us that he was the chief tax collector, which meant that he was very wealthy and he had made a lot of money off of people for the Roman government and for himself. So not only was he a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector, but we also learn later through Zacchaeus' own confession that he's a corrupt tax collector. Zacchaeus says in verse eight, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. So he confesses for himself, I'm good at what I do because I know how to exploit vulnerable people. I can extort you out of your money and your taxes because if you don't listen to me, I've got the authority of the Roman government to arrest you and have you thrown in prison. So people practically had to pay him what he asked and he would bend the rules to get more. So he was a despised person because he was a chief tax collector, not, not just a chief tax collector, a corrupt chief chief tax collector. He was the kind of person that if you walked his dog down your street, everybody would run inside, lock the door, and turn off the lights. Zacchaeus was not the person that you would have over for coffee or tea. He was never invited to Thanksgiving dinner. Zacchaeus was the one that everybody wanted to create distance with. And there are a lot of people like Zacchaeus in the scriptures, people who have physical diseases and ailments that people feel like make them unclean people who are caught into adulterous affairs and scandals. People call them morally unclean. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he was ethically unclean. And there's a category of people in the scriptures that were always rejects, misfits, and outcasts. And yet this category of people were always the most attracted to Jesus. And ironically, it was the religious elite that were usually the most resenting Jesus and always arguing and battling with him. But what was it about this category of people that whenever they met Jesus, they felt safe, they relaxed, and they listened? What was different about this man? See, I love the way that Jesus has this effect on people. There's a story in John chapter eight of, of a woman who's caught in adultery. She's caught in this scandal, so the people drag her out into the town square, and they're all ready to stone her to death. And they pull Jesus into the circle, and they say, Jesus, Rabbi, the law says that if someone commits adultery, they should die by stoning. What do you think? 
And I love Jesus' response in that moment. He says, okay, whoever's without sin, go ahead, go first. Throw the first stone. I wish I could be there too because I could imagine silence and literally within minutes, an empty square. No one qualified. No one made the cut. Everybody around that circle was a sinner except one person and that was Jesus. Jesus had every right to cast the first stone because he was without sin. But what did Jesus say to the woman? He looked her in the eyes and said, woman, where are your accusers? Has anyone condemned you? Well, then neither do I. Now, go, leave your life of sin. You see how Jesus leads out in his life? He doesn't lead with judgment. He doesn't lead with condemnation or accusation. He doesn't lead with contempt or self-righteousness. Jesus leads with love. Jesus leads with grace and mercy. And that's why people who were on the fringe of society and the most far from God felt like they were actually invited to the table. That's why they felt safe and could relax and would actually listen to what he had to say because they weren't experiencing judgment. Years later, Jesus had a half-brother named James and he wrote a, a letter to the church. And in the second chapter of his letter to the church, James says, mercy triumphs over judgment. I wonder who James learned that from. Where did he pick up that line or that lesson? You see, Jesus led with love and he extended mercy and he was full of grace. And on that day, when Zacchaeus was up in the tree, what did he see? That's what he saw. He saw a man who knew everything about Zacchaeus, who he was and what he'd done, all the people that he cheated. And yet he said, I wanna come to your house. I wanna be your friend. I wanna be in a relationship with you. Yeah, yes, you. Zacchaeus, especially you. And that was the invitation for Zacchaeus to come down to the tree and follow him. And that was the journey that Zacchaeus took that day that changed his life forever. And of all the people that were standing around the street that day, all the people who wanted to see Jesus, all the people who were standing in line hoping to take a selfie with the Son of God, why did Jesus choose Zacchaeus? Why did Jesus look up at that tree and say, hey, you, I wanna, yeah, yeah, you, I wanna go to your house. Why his house that day? Not my house or your house, why his house? Because Jesus says in Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. And he knew that Zacchaeus was far from God. And I think this verse, Luke 19, 10, is literally Jesus's mission statement. It's the reason why he came from heaven to earth. To do what? To seek and to save the lost. It is the reason why he said everything he said. Why? To help seek and save the lost. It's the reason why he died on the cross to seek and save the lost. It's why he was risen from the grave to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus came to do and that's what he did. And he invites all of us today to follow him, to trust him, to say yes. And that day, Around that table, Zacchaeus saw that man 
And Jesus said, today salvation has come upon this house. Thus began the journey of Zacchaeus' discipleship. Now, here's the thing. I know um, there are people in this room this weekend that are here at our church that wouldn't put themselves in the category of Christian or believer or disciple. And I'm so glad you're here, whether this is the first time and you were invited by a friend or maybe you've been here for a while and you still don't think of yourself as a, as a Christian. That's, that's okay. And actually, we're glad you're here. You're a part of our community and I hope you'll come back. But here's the challenge that I wanna give you today if that's you, if you're not a, a believer. I wanna invite you to follow him anyway because you can follow Jesus without believing anything he said. Uh, part of the Way series at the beginning was really about taking a look for yourself at who he was. It was to read the scriptures. And so when we study the scriptures and we read the gospels, we can see for ourselves who was this man. We can see for ourselves what he had to say. What were his values? How did he live his life? Why have so many people read the story and their lives been changed forever? You've gotta see it for yourself. So if you're not a Christian today, I wanna encourage you, I wanna invite you I want to challenge you, read the Bible. We've got a bunch of them at Info Central. You can download one, on your, download one on your phone. And let's just be honest here. I mean, we've all read books by people that we don't agree with, various scholars and philosophers. Like, we don't agree or believe what they say, but we've learned from them. And I want to invite you to do the same with Jesus. Learn from this man. Read his story. Receive his teaching. Like Zacchaeus, see it for yourself, wherever you are. And maybe you're in another category, or maybe you are a Christian, maybe you are a believer, you've been coming to church for a really long time, and in your transformation, you've stalled out, you feel stuck. I know sometimes I do, and maybe even your transformation is starting to go back to the original version of what you didn't wanna be, and you don't know what's going on, or you don't know how to move it back in the other direction, well, I would give you the same application today. Go back to the beginning of the way. Go back to the very first step where it says, surrender. What is it that you have to surrender to God? What is it that's in your life, in your heart, in your mind? What is that thing that's preventing you from having a closer relationship with Jesus? And then surrender that, give that to God. That's the first step. Or look up, pray, start talking to him again. No relationship can be healthy without conversation or communication. So just start, just say, God, you there? And just begin the conversation or ask someone to pray for you or with you or join a group of people who can encourage you. But that's what the way is all about, practices that help us follow Jesus together. So whether you're not a believer or whether you're a believer, the way is a practical uh, set of practices that all of us can learn and grow from, and we can be followers of Jesus together. But, but here's what I wanna close with today before we go to baptism. Um, I don't know if anyone here is aware of it, if it's on your calendar, but we've got a really big birthday coming up in a few days. On November 30th, Menlo Church becomes 146 years old. That's right. This church was started on November 30th, 1873, by 13 women and men who gathered a few blocks down Santa Cruz Ave, they wanted to serve the spiritual needs of a farming community called Menlo Park. So these women and men got together and they had their first inaugural worship service on November 30th. And here we are today, 146 years later. And I, 
I imagine, and I've got a pretty wild imagination, I, I imagine if there was a time machine, you could actually travel time, go back in time. I would get in and I would set the dial and I'd go to November 30th, 1873, and I'd be the 14th person in the room, and I'd travel back in time, and I'd say, hey guys, my name's Eugene, I'm from the future. <laughs> I'm gonna be born in about 100 years, and I'm gonna grow up and get my black belt. Uh, and then I'm gonna become a pastor and then come and serve at this church that you're starting today. And I just wanted to come and say thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing, for starting this thing. I know there's only 13 of you, but thank you so much because where I'm from in 2019, I want you to know that our church has six campuses in the Bay Area now. And every weekend, over 6,000 people gather together as a community to to praise the name of Jesus. And on this particular weekend, right around our 146th birthday, we're baptizing over 40 people here at our church who are taking that next step in their spiritual journey, who are experiencing transformation in their own lives because they said yes to Jesus. And I just wanted to come back and tell you that. That'd be so cool. How many of you would wanna come with me and just tell our friends that? Hey, thank you for doing what you did right? And then my mind goes to, again, my imagination, it just doesn't stop there, right? And then it goes to, what would they say, right? Like, how would they respond to that, that information, that news? And I think they'd probably have a lot of questions, like, uh, what's your name again? Uh, what are you wearing, boy? You know, it's like, what country are you from? I mean, they'd ask me all these questions. But, but I think at the heart of it, I think this is what they would say. I think they would say, Eugene, thanks for coming and giving us an update, but why in the world do you think we're even doing this? We're starting a Jesus church to help people find and follow him for the rest of their lives. That's why we're doing this, Eugene. So thanks for the update. Now get back in your fancy time machine. <laughs> Go back to 2019 and tell everyone, let's keep doing it. I think that's what they'd say. That is why we're here. That is why we do what we do. So that people will step into that tub and say, I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And that's what we're gonna celebrate together. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you that you sent your son, your only son, to seek and to save the lost. And we say thank you to the invitation of following you, of learning who you are and what you've done, and then to be able to celebrate the impact and the transformation that that has caused in the lives of people we know and love today through baptism. God, we admit all of us here we all are sinners, we fall short of your glory. Not one of us are without sin and yet you call all of us, no matter who we are or what we've done or where we've been or what we're even thinking right now, God, you call us by name. And as you've always said, you invite us to follow you, to learn from you, to take on your yoke, your way of life so that we might find rest for our souls. And so this morning, we say yes. We say thank you. And all God's people said, amen.
Matt. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We hope that you feel inspired and challenged by today's message and that you can take it and apply it to your everyday life. If you want to keep following along with Menlo Church, feel free to join us on social media where you can find out what's happening. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next week.